Hey, strangers. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Strange Sessions. I feel like we're lucky to be alive right now. <laughs> or at, I don't know. It just, it's been a rough winter. It has been. <laughs> and it's barely, you know, through February. I'm Krista uh, and my co-host is Kurt. Hi. Hi, Kurt. <laughs> Hi, Krista. We're, we're, we're both sick. We're both sick. <laughs> We've been through two blizzards and negative 50 degree weather, and that's not even like a wind chill. That's just like no. air temperature was negative 50. That was the week that we were supposed to record our other episode, and oh. we're like, yeah, probably not. <laughs> not that, week, that week was just insane. We had like a foot of snow mm-hmm. that Monday, and then Wednesday- It was negative 50. Negative 50, down to negative, I think 59 it got. It was crazy. I did not leave my apartment that day. No. I mean, that was one of the only times that I can remember that they didn't have mailmen out Right. They because, actually canceled the mail. Yeah. They canceled the mail crazy. because it was that cold. Yeah. My dog, Lucy. Was I should have said mailman, mail people. Mail carriers. Mail carriers. My dog, Lucy, who normally you have to coax to come back inside, would like go out, run around, stand there and hold up one paw <laughs> and hold up the other paw. It was so like, bad. Get your butt back inside. It was so bad. And then yeah. yesterday we got nailed with another foot another of snow. Another foot of snow. <laughs> and I didn't think we were even going to be able to get together tonight, but like uh, it, it's, it's like sunny, and it's sunny, and the streets are clean, and it's like how the heck did that even happen? Because it was coming down really good. I'll have to post a picture from the studio window because there is a snow drift <laughs> that has got to be like four and a half feet, and it's tall. not even from a plow. It's no, just it's just the a drifted drift. snow, and it's up like a quarter way up through the window. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So, and then we are both sick with colds. Yeah, so I'm hopefully still, we mine, don't. Mine's still hanging on. I'm on week three now of this stupid cold. I'm so. on day two of mine. <laughs> But mine seems to be going away. I hope it does. So I'm all I'm all jacked up on Dayquil. So you we'll see how that I goes. Have. So I'm going to be editing a lot of coughing, sniffling, and, and sneezing, throat clearing, this, and throat clearing out Ugh. of this episode. But hey, we wanted to get here today for you guys because mm-hmm. we have no more backup episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly. we kind of had to. So we're going to need to get together and record some more. Uh, do we want to give a shout out to our new first stranger? Yes, we are going to give a shout out to our newest strangers, and those are. Randeep Singh Panasar. Oh, okay. I welcomed him because that's a name you don't forget. No, exactly. Troy Dunn, Jason Gallmeyer, Murray Peck, Shayna Shalou, my cousin. Hey, Shayna. So up, glad Shana? you're listening. And Ryan Gronke. Those are our new strangers. Welcome, guys. Welcome. And we're going to kind of speed through this. We're going to try to get our titillating 20 down to titillating 10 because this is going to maybe be a lengthy episode. I'm mm-hmm. not exactly sure. So we're going to kind of speed through the stuff here. We don't really have any housekeeping. No, which is surprising because it's yeah. been a few weeks. Yeah. I, I'm, glad, been... I'm glad people seem to like the backup episode. Yeah. But like you said, it was, it, was, it was neat listening to it because it's been so long since <laughs> we recorded it that it was like listening to somebody else's podcast. Totally. I don't like, remember oh, most of it. I don't remember it. saying that stuff. <laughs> so I'm glad you guys like that. Glad we had it to use. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to jump right into the taste test. Let's do it. And we were going to do something from the packages we got from you guys, but I was at Walmart before Krista picked me up and I saw something that I had to try. I'm just happy that I'm tasting something other than like menthol cough drops now. Hopefully, so I'll be able to taste it. Hopefully if it's really bad, our <laughs> sickness dulls the, the taste of it. And it is Ocean's Halo bacon-flavored seaweed snacks. Whoa. That's so weird. Let me take a picture. It looks I'm like really it looks like a sun chip. It looks like a green sun chip. Bacon-flavored seaweed snack. Bacon-flavored. Yeah. I bought We wouldn't want a seaweed flavor. Before we started recording, snack. I was telling Krista when I was there all I bought was this and a craft ramen cup. <laughs> and the the cashier is like, "You buy some weird stuff." <laughs> well, you know, you should have plugged our podcast. 
I should have. Swim against the tide, Kurt. That's what it's. Is that like. what it says? Swim against yeah. the tide. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make you open it. I don't think these are gonna be horrible, but you can get <clears throat> stuff that's bacon flavored can either be really bad or really good. Right. So I don't like what I call bacon with an F. Yeah. Anything that's bacon flavored is usually fake bacon, and I don't like that flavor. And it it tastes says like bacon. Bacon. It says bacon in big letters, and then flavor in small letters after it. So that doesn't really. <laughs> There's no air quotes that around the bacon. Well no, it, it doesn't. But we are gonna give it a try. It's basically bacon bits, which are not bacon. No. Wow, and they are Ooh, bigger than I expected. You got it open though. I know. <laughs> That's always a pleasant <laughs> surprise. Oh, they are. Look at that. What do they smell like? I can't really smell anything because my nose is all stuffed up. I'm afraid to touch anything. I don't think I'm contagious anymore. It kind of looks like weed. I'm just going to say because... <laughs> it does kind of look like it's weed. It's kind of got this weird crystallization on it. And it's not... Weed isn't usually this We dark. should crush it up and leave it in a baggie on the <laughs> table here. See? Which is probably not a whole lot. They're probably not. It's, it's like see-through. But is it like, it, it's it, really it like moves. Thin. It like it's moves really when you thin. shake it. When it you was... shake it like a Polaroid picture. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was going to be um, more crisp. It's very like paper thin. It's like a piece of cellophane. Yeah, a little bit. It is like cellophane. That's what it is. This I is smell like, this is like the, I smell the faking. This is like the the metal thing they found at Roswell that was like <laughs> aluminum foil, but when you crumple it up, it would reopen. Okay. It's a pretty color green. It's my favorite color. It's like thinner than a communion wafer. It smells like faking, though. It totally smells like faking. But okay. you ready to give it a try? I'm ready. Here we go. Hmm. Why does it taste fishy? I, I guess it's seaweed. It's seaweed? <laughs> oh, that is not good. <laughs> oh. I wasn't expecting I was the not fish. expecting that either. I'm not finishing. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, no. Fish uh, is bad enough when you're expecting it. When I you're honest n- to God was not expecting that. Oh, <laughs> uh, that is not good. That's horrible. Now I understand why it's bacon oh, flavored. I'm actually happy I have a cold right now at this moment because it would be 10 times worse if I didn't. It was horrible. It didn't smell fishy at all. And I'm really, I'm, <sighs> I'm offended. <laughs> I need snacks. That, is, that was not what I expected. Oh, I need, now I'm going to eat this Vicks flavored cough drop because anything's <laughs> got to be better than that hold on i gotta wash this down with we'll leave this here oil. for jeff and joe <laughs> eat up guys oh, oh that, that is was just terrible that's horrible <laughs> that's not good i you could at least put a fish smell in there to I, warn you i wasn't expecting it to taste like that i don't think that was quite as bad as the anchovy crackers but it was the, probably the second That's worst thing. Bad. It's close to the anchovy crackers. At least the crackers were crackers. I think with the they were like anchovy, like they were like dried anchovies. So it was kind of like crackers. Hmm. I think I blocked. At least it out. with that, you knew what you were in for. Right. With this one, I kind of expected it to be good. I like, didn't know seaweed would taste like fish, though. It does. If you've ever had sushi, apparently with seaweed I have not. In it. Yeah. Why do you uh-huh. eat that? Why would anyone eat that? Hang on, I need a cough drop too. Yeah, hold on. Come on, Vix. Oh, it's already working. That was that was bad. That was horrible. <laughs> a scale. We one have to nobody ten. to blame but you, Kurt. <laughs> scale of one to ten. Uh, negative three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a one because they tried. You know. I don't know if they tried that hard though. I mean, they just threw some fake bacon flavor on that stuff and called it a. Snack. They needed more bacon. Fl- I would have been happy with more fake bacon flavor. Yeah. 
Yeah. That was disgusting. That was disgusting. Thanks for nothing, Kurt. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> next, next, next episode, we'll do another one from the box of goodies from okay. our listeners. Good. I think our listeners prefer it when we think they're gross, though, so you're welcome, yeah, I guys. Did not think this, I honestly did not think this was going to be bad. No. I thought, how bad can it be? I like kale. Turns out it's... It's not kale. No, <laughs> it's not kale. <laughs> All right. Any last-minute stuff we need to do before talking about this episode? I would like to wish all of our listeners a very happy Valentine's Day and yes. tell you all that we love you very much. Yes, happy Valentine's Day, listeners. Do you have Valentine's Day plans? Um, I bought my husband, he, who's in the trades, as we call it. He he builds houses. A set of cho- milk chocolate that's in the shape of like a toolkit. Oh, that's cool. So there's like a chocolate wrench, a chocolate hammer, <laughs> that's awesome. a chocolate, yeah. Um, and a card. I ordered them both on Amazon because I knew I was not going to get to the store to get this stuff. No, so no, um, things have been. I happen to know that he got me one of those ginormous cards because he tried to sneak it in the house one day and I saw it like two weeks ago. And he said he would not have time to get me anything. And I said, just order food tomorrow so I don't have to cook. And that's my gift. That's a good gift. Yeah. Nice. Anytime I don't have to cook after work, I'm happy. Nice. At least you got good stuff going on. Yeah. And you're going to I'm going to a uh, museum the Maritime Museum in Manitowoc is putting... They're doing a program on couples in World War II when they're going to be like reading letters that, you know, husbands sent their wives and stuff like that. That's really cool. It is really cool. So I'm going to that with some friends from work. So I'm kind of excited about that, actually doing something. Yeah. Uh, My Valentine's Day gift to you is the rest of these bacon (laughs) seaweed things. We should give it to the people in the gym on the way out. There's kids out. There's kids out. I'm like, dude, try this. You'll totally get high. <laughs> Yuck. Oh, gross. But anyway, we are going to dive right into this episode because this is the episode that I have been teasing for as long as I can remember. I think we were going to do it last year. Maybe. I can't believe I was going to do this as part of a my favorite mini mystery <laughs> because this is going to probably be a, our longest. Episode. This is probably going to be a long episode because there is a lot to cover here. Okay. And I am absolutely obsessed with this story. This is one of my favorite weird stories. I remember the first time I read about this, I was like, how did I never hear about this before? This is kind of amazing. I think this is one of those where I think I don't know anything about it. But then once I start talking about it, I'll you'll be like, probably oh, yeah, recognize it. I remember it. reading about that. And uh, it was actually, you know, like I'm, I believe in synchronicity and all that stuff and oh, that things too. happen. And it was weird that, you know, because of this, I mean, because of the mini, I changed my topic from last season when I was going to do this and we did the moon mysteries. Mm. And then I was going to do this the night that we couldn't get together because of the weather. And that's when I found out that the podcast Astonishing Legends, which is awesome, had a huge update on this story. I mean, this is like literally the first big update on this story since the 70s. So that's a huge thing. So it just so happened that I was able to catch all that, you know, and I emailed them and I said, hey, we do a podcast would it be okay if we discuss the stuff you guys are discussing on here? And they said, sure. They said 100%. That's totally cool. That was awesome. So that's really awesome. But we'll yeah. talk talk about that once we get... Hopefully they'll listen to us. Hey, they guys. Said, they said they're going to check out our episode. <laughs> That'd be so, really cool. Uh, what I plan on doing is I'm just going to first read through the notes as I originally had them. Okay. So we're gonna, I'm going to go through the whole story, and then we're going to go to the theories and sub-theories, of course. <laughs> and then we're going to go into the updates... And then after that, we'll do the what do you think. So So the update's kind of what you learned on listening to their podcast? Yes. I'm sure there was some crossover anyway. Yeah. It was just uh, the the episodes. If you're into this at all, I definitely urge you to go listen to the Astonishing Legends 
episodes. They have four different episodes, and the last one is four hours long. Is it like a four-parter? It's a four-parter. Okay. So they... And they, they have quite a catalog of episodes, yes. so you should just check them yeah, out they're in an general. amazing podcast. They really are. But we'll get more into them once we get to the update section. Okay. So as I think Bridget guessed, because uh, I, I put a like a little teaser about this episode, mm-hmm. and Bridget guessed it right. Nice. And I was like, how? I, I messaged her, and I'm like, how the hell did you guess that? <laughs> and she said she listens to the Astonishing Legends oh, podcast. Oh, that's cool. So she kind of put two and two together that yeah. that's what I was going to be talking about. But this story, the one that I love and I'm kind of obsessed with, is the story of the Betts sphere. And I was picturing like a sphere that people yeah, live in. And it was funny because I sent you the picture today and I'm you're like, like oh, oh, it's an actual sphere. It's like actually a, a sphere. And I was like, sphere. yeah, it's actually a sphere. But I just, you know, I know people got sick of me talking about this, but I just love this story. Uh, it takes place where all the best stories do in the 70s. <laughs> and it's unexplained and it, it, I kind of feel like there's a little bit of everything in this story. Okay. So I think it's super interesting, and I wanted to do this story from the start, and we are finally doing it, and I'm totally geeked about it. So here Geek we out. go. And unfortunately, we start with a bit of a discrepancy because there's a bunch of different dates about when this started. Mm, so okay. that's usually not a good sign that... You're on the internet. What can yeah, you do? Yeah, that's usually not... That usually doesn't bode well for the <laughs> factuality of what is went on. Is there a beef burrito... There is Recipe. no beef. <laughs> no, <laughs> okay, this is not the Maura Murray <laughs> fiasco. Was it a beef burrito? I don't a remember. Steak burrito. A steak burrito. Yeah, there oh were the God. steak burrito recipe was mixed in with our notes somehow, and <laughs> it's just awkward. So I, I went with the date that most people said was accurate. Okay. You know, at this time, people really didn't know if this stuff even actually happened because there's only so much stuff you can find out about this on the internet. Okay. But Where'd you get all your research from then? Just different sites on the internet. Okay. But then that's kind of when the Astonishing Legends podcast mm. comes in and, you know, there's talks. There's be a book on this somewhere. I, I don't think there is. I don't hmm. think there is. There should be because it's fascinating. Well, we should write a book. Moving on. I'll start that tonight. <laughs> okay. So here we go. The story of the Betts Sphere. On the afternoon of Wednesday, March 27th, 1974, Antoine Betts and his family were inspecting some land that they had recently purchased on Fort George Island, Florida, which is an island a few miles northeast from Jacksonville. I'm not 100% sure it's an actual island. It looks like a marshy area. Okay. So, you know, the only thing I can picture in my head is it kind of reminds me of a section of the video game Red Dead Redemption. So that's <laughs> okay. that's kind of I what I, that's, that's, that's my from. go-to. That's my go-to. Okay. But it's it's the it's Fort George Island. Antoine was with his wife, Jerry, FYI, Jerry, hot. Oh, okay. Seriously, I'll show you a picture. Oh, you sent me a picture. I'll show you a picture in a little bit. Okay. Uh, And she's an amazing person, but we'll get more into that once we talk about the updates and stuff. So Antoine was with his wife, Jerry, and his 21-year-old son, Terry Betts. They were inspecting the area because a brush fire had recently burned 88 acres of land near property the Betzes had recently purchased, and they wanted to see if there was any damage to their new property. Okay. As the son, Terry, was walking around the property, he looked down and saw a bright metallic ball about the size of a bowling ball sitting in the burned grass at his feet. He knelt down to examine it, noticing that the globe's surface was unscuffed and had no scratches, dents, or burn marks. He called the others over and picked up the ball, which was actually far lighter than it looked. Turning the globe over in their hands, the only marking that was visible on it was what looked like a triangle etched into the surface. The three of them tried to figure out what it was, coming to the conclusion that it was either a cannonball from a long-ago battle on the island that someone maybe silver-plated to use as a keepsake, 
some piece of military equipment that had been lost, or that with Cape Canaveral being a few miles down the shoreline, it was maybe a piece of a rocket or a piece of a satellite like Sputnik that fell to Earth. Hmm. And part of Sputnik fell in... Manitowoc. Manitowoc. Mm -hmm. That was our big claim to fame before the uh, Stephen Avery stuff. (laughs) The family wondered if this sphere was actually maybe the cause of the fire as a result from it falling from the sky and crashing onto their property, since the sphere was found in the center of a burnt area. But after searching the area, they saw no signs of a crater, and the orb showed no signs of any damage whatsoever. Whatever it was, the Betzes thought that it would make a cool knick-knack or conversation piece, and they truly wanted to know what it was, so they took it home with them. For the next two weeks, the metallic sphere sat on a shelf in Terry's bedroom. One afternoon, Terry had a lady friend named Teresa Frazier over, you know, pitching some some woo, spitting some game. (laughs) Uh, is this the son, the twenty-one year old? Yeah, twenty-one year old son. And hey, these people come back are all to my mom and dad. These, <laughs> these people are all all very very smart people. He's okay. actually a pre med student. Okay. Uh, Antoine, I believe, is a Navy something. He did something with the Navy where he he's like a Navy engineer. So okay. I mean, he knows stuff. And Jerry is just all around brilliant. She's just an amazing person that you find out when you listen to the updates. Kurt's got a bit of a crush. I'm just I do have that a big right crush now. on. I do have a big crush <laughs> on her. Um, <clears throat> so he brought it home, had his lady friend over, and he started to play the guitar for her. And it was a '70s, so probably some James Taylor or <laughs> sure. John Denver. Yep. But You're Paul and Mary. You <laughs> never was, know. It was actually an electric guitar. Oh. As he started playing. Peter Frampton then, for probably, sure. Yeah. Probably <laughs> show me the way. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> As he started playing, the two of them were amazed to see and hear the metallic ball start reacting to the music. According to Terry, it started, quote, vibrating on its own like hmm. a tuning fork. Terry started playing different notes on the guitar, and he and Teresa watched as the ball shook and made strange throbbing sounds as it reacted to the different notes that he played. The family dog then began to freak out and react strangely to the strange sounds the ball was making. After that, the dog continued to be freaked out by the sphere. In a 1974 article in the Palm Beach Post, Jerry Betts says, quote, There must be high-frequency waves coming from it. When we put our poodle beside the ball, she whimpers and puts her paws over her ears. Aww. In the days after the guitar incident, the ball would randomly start vibrating on its own, with Terry saying that it was like a motor was running inside of it. Sometimes it would wake him up in the middle of the night with the noise. It's like they activated yeah, it or something. Yeah, that's exactly what it seems like. <clears throat> a day or two later, the family brought the ball out to the living room to examine it more. They quickly found out they could place the ball on the floor and push it, and then the sphere would roll, stop, vibrate for a moment, and then return to whoever rolled it, often changing directions more than once as it made its way back to the person. Yeah. By this point, the family were pretty much like WTF. (laughs) And this wasn't wasn't a one-time thing when, when... like they would stand together in a group, one of them would push it, and the ball would work its way back to that person that pushed it. That's weird. It is. It's It's true. It's really weird. It's weird. Um, you know they they are like floored by this. They have sure. no idea what this is. Antoine began to do experiments on the sphere. Running a handheld magnetometer around the surface of the sphere, Antoine discovered that the globe surface had one intensely magnetic spot about the size of a dime. He then tapped on the ball with an iron hammer, and the ball responded by sending out a loud, strange, bell-like ringing tone. I'm curious to know if that magnetic spot, where it was in relation to the triangle. I don't know. I don't... The triangle popped up a couple times, but you don't really hear kind of much about it anymore. No. Okay. Then, and this this part, this next part is really cool. 
Then they placed the ball on the living room coffee table. One of them gave the ball a nudge, sending it slowly rolling towards the other end of the table. To the family's amazement, the ball rolled straight to the edge of the glass surface, paused there a moment, then started rolling back in the opposite direction, stopping again at the opposite edge, and repeated the movement. Antoine checked the table with a level and found that it was perfectly straight. Antoine then placed books under the leg of one side of the table, slanting it. When the ball was placed at the top of the slant, it quickly rolled down to the table's edge, where the ball stopped, started spinning on its axis, and began moving up the slanted table using its own spinning momentum. It's like a Roomba. Yeah, it is it's exactly <laughs> like a Roomba. The Betts family began considering the possibility that this object was equipped with a sophisticated guidance system or was perhaps being intelligently controlled, either from within or by some external force. The family said it seemed like the sphere on the table appeared to be trying to get safely back to the ground without falling. Doing further experiments on the sphere, Antoine also discovered that the ball might have been using solar energy, being very active on bright sunny days, but sluggish and quiet on cloudy days. If the family brought the ball outside and rolled it into the shade, it would then roll on its own into the sunlit areas. I feel like that's just everyone. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Kind of sluggish that's true. on cloudy days. So they're like, they have no idea what this is. They're well, like yeah, stumped about what this is. I'm thinking alien. It's got to be alien. That's, that's one of the <laughs> most popular guesses. The ball also seemed to dislike being shaken. In the April 16, 1974 of Lodi, California's News Sentinel, Jerry stated, quote, If you shake the ball vigorously and then place it on the ground, it feels just like a huge Mexican jumping bean trying to get away from you. The Betts family were actually afraid that it would leave the house on its own, so when no one was playing with it or watching it, they would place the orb in a duffel bag so it couldn't escape. That's kind of funny. I know, it is. <laughs> it is. By this time, the Betts family decided that it was time to find out just what it was that they actually had in their possession, so they were trying to figure out what they should do. The first call that Jerry Betts made was to the local Jacksonville Journal. The journal was both amused and intrigued by their story, and they sent out a seasoned photographer named Lon Enger to get the story and snap a few pictures. The skeptical Enger accepted the assignment, and he joked to the rest of the newspaper staff that he feared he might be, quote, walking into a den of crackpots. <laughs> when Enger arrived at the Betts' home, he was... It, e wait, his name is Enger? Enger, E-N-G-E-R. Okay. <laughs> Okay. I know. I can't, it sounds like I'm saying anger, yeah. but it's anger. Okay. When anger arrived at the Betts' home, he was eagerly greeted by Jerry, who immediately thrust the sphere into his arms. In the April 12, 1974 edition of the St. Petersburg Times, anger says, quote, I'm leery of this kind of thing. When I got there, Mrs. Betts said, you won't believe this if you don't see it. They instructed the skeptical anger to give the ball a little shove across the floor. In anger's own words, quote, she told me to put it on the floor and give it a push. It rolled a little ways and then stopped. I said, so what? She said, just wait a minute. It then turned by itself and rolled to the right about four feet. It stopped. Then it turned again and rolled to the left about eight feet, made a big arc, and came right back to my feet. So now he is like, holy crap. It's weird that it doesn't make... You'd think it would just stop and go directly back. Yeah, but it seems but it doesn't. to like it, like, wander it, around yeah, a little it bit. does. So he's, he's like stunned by this yeah. and he's, he does it several times and every time he does it, it comes right back to him. Hmm. So he has no idea what this is. Anger examined the steel ball intently and like the Betts family before him, he could find no seams and no indication of a manufacturer on the surface, on the surface except for that weird little triangular symbol stamped on its side. Anger also confirmed the Betts' statement that the sphere seemed to be making strange noises inside of it. 
As soon as the amazed photographer relayed his story to his editor, the paper wasted no time in publishing his account, and within days, a media firestorm was ignited. Within days, everyone wanted to come and see the mystery sphere. Reporters from the New York Times, the London Daily, and dozens of other papers from as far away as Japan called or traveled down to St. George Island to see this mystery sphere with their own eyes. The journalists and visitors often arrived skeptical, but almost universally left both impressed and perplexed by the sphere's bizarre abilities. So all of these people saw it and witnessed it in person. It wasn't only journalists and curious people who wanted to see the sphere, though. The scientific and military communities were also trying to get a look at the object. Representatives of both the U.S. Marine Corps and NASA contacted the Betts family, as did UFO investigators representing the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, or APRO. A U.S. Marine spokesman even went so far as to admit on television that the ball had behaved strangely in his presence and conceded that he was unable to explain its origin. An official press release issued by the Marines publicly stated that the ball was not the property of the United States government. The Betts family started getting bombarded by scientists asking the family if they could send the sphere to the research facility so they could examine it. According to Ronald D. Story's 1980 book, The Encyclopedia of UFOs, quote, After notices appeared in the press, Dr. J. Allen Hynek of Northwestern University requested that the ball be sent to him for examination. And J. Allen Hynek never see it again. J. Allen Hynek is a big, big, big name in UFOs. Okay. He is one of the nation's most revered UFO researchers. Ufologists. Ufologists. Subsequent callers, however, suggested to Mrs. Betts that trusting it to a public carrier could allow for interception, substitution, or loss of the sphere. Right. So she decided not to send the ball out to anyone. I would not let it out of my sight. But then shortly, two things changed the family's mind. The first was the constant attention that the family was now receiving. They would get dozens and dozens of phone calls or people showing up at the house at all hours to see the sphere. The family, which had intentionally chosen an isolated place to live, had become overwhelmed by the press feeding frenzy, and in the April 14, 1974 edition of the Palm Beach Post, Jerry was quoted as saying, quote, We came to Fort George Island to get away to a serene atmosphere. Now I can't get away from the telephone. It means nothing to people in the West that it's midnight here, and when they quit calling, those on the East wake up and start calling. So they were getting annoyed. They were getting annoyed. The constant attention started to really wear on the family. And the second thing was that things kind of started to get even weirder. The Betts family started hearing the sound of an organ playing inside the house at night, but the family didn't own an organ. What? It was described as a kind of funeral dirge. And the same time the organ sound started, doors began loudly slamming by themselves during the day at night with no explanation, and strange voices and laughter were often heard inside the house. So then the family is like, let's send this out. So they sent the the ball out to get tested. They decided to send the orb to scientists who were posted at the Jacksonville Naval Air Station. The initial efforts... Okay, in this this part, there's some discrepancy about whether or not they could see inside of it with the x-ray machines. Mm -hmm. Some accounts say no. Some accounts say yes. But we will get to that answer when we get to the updates. Okay. Did anybody measure EMF? I don't think so. Because EMF is known to I don't cause think hallucinations so, and things like that. Coming up, one of the guys that examines it said there's radio waves coming out okay. of it. Okay, interesting. So the initial efforts of the Navy scientists were met with dead ends as their X-ray machines were not strong enough to penetrate the orb. According to Navy spokesperson, CPO Chris Berninger, quote, 
Our first x-ray attempts got us nowhere. We're going to use a more powerful machine on it and then run spectrograph tests on it to determine what metal it's made of. There's certainly something odd about it. Eventually, the scientists at the station were able to determine that the exact size of the sphere was 7.96 inches in diameter and that it weighed precisely 21.34 pounds. They also concluded that the shell of the orb was approximately one half inch thick, which according to the report... How could they figure that out? I don't know. By weight I don't know. Then that's some of the discrepancies. Hmm. But that involves the x-ray stuff, and we will get to that with the updates. They also concluded that the shell of the orb was approximately one half inch thick, which according to the report, could withstand a pressure of 120,000 pounds per square inch. And it was made of stainless steel, specifically magnetic ferrous alloy number 431. This alloy is a magnetic nickel-bearing stainless steel designed for heat treatment to the highest mechanical properties and corrosion resistance. Hmm. It's also reported that the Navy team, and this is where you get into the discrepancy because there's two different reports. It's interesting to me that they were able to identify what it's made out of. Yeah. So it's not like some foreign substance that nobody can identify. No. It's also reported that the Navy team's powerful 300-kilovolt X-ray also discovered two or three smaller spherical objects inside the ball that were surrounded by a strange halo made of a material with an unusual density. They also noted that the sphere displayed four different magnetic poles, two positive and two negative, which were not concentric, and also that while the orb was intensely magnetic, it did not show signs of radioactivity and did not appear to be an explosive. At this point, the Navy scientists wanted to cut into the object to get a better look, but Jerry Betts refused. She stated to the press, quote, I told them that we expect a comprehensive report in two weeks, and if it can't be identified as government property, I want it returned to us. Hmm. The Navy returned the sphere, but the majority of questions remained as to the origin and identity of the object. At this point, the Betts family began to seriously consider the possibility that they were in possession of a genuine extraterrestrial technology, or as some of the Betts' neighbors called it, the, quote, alien bugging device. According to Jerry, quote, if no other explanation could be found that's as logical as any, who could say what's on other planets? Even speculations have been proven wrong. The Navy says what it isn't. They say it isn't an explosive, so we still want to know what it is. The whole, um, <clears throat> the poles that were in it, yeah. the, it doesn't make sense no, the way they're nope, described. Nope, that it does doesn't not seem make it, possible. It, it, nothing about this thing makes any sense. It's true. The Navy, as you can imagine, was hesitant to even entertain the extraterrestrial origin idea. Berninger stated in the April 15th, 1974 edition of the Palm Beach Post, quote, I don't know who manufactured it, but I say it came from Earth. We do know that it's not explosive and presents no hazards. The Navy stated that the sphere was not anything made by the U.S. Navy or any of the military branches. The U.S. Marine Corps sent three of their scientific experts to investigate the ball at its Florida home. One of the Marines spoke for the trio of scientists on statewide television and admitted that the object had behaved in their presence against the laws of physics and confessed his inability to identify it. In an official press release issued shortly following their visit, the Marine Corps publicly stated that the sphere was indeed not property of the United States government. So nobody knows what this thing is. Hmm. Nobody will take credit for it. No. Then, on April 13th, 1974, Dr. Carl Willinson, representing a research firm known as the Omega Minus One Institute in Baton Rouge. I know. That's like such a weird name. It's like a Star (laughs) Trek kind of thing. The Omega Minus One Institute in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, showed up at the house. Dr. Willinson examined the sphere for over six hours and discovered, quote, radio waves coming from it and a magnetic field around it. 
Dr. Willinson confirmed the Navy's discovery of multiple magnetic poles within the sphere and claimed that this phenomenon was a, quote, mind bender as the field began to fluctuate based on an unknown pattern. This, he claimed, defied the laws of physics. And he said that there had to be some sort of power source creating this magnetic field, but there was no power source that they knew of inside, inside, the, of inside the sphere. And there were no seams or anything on the sphere to open it. It's from a there, parallel universe. There was nothing that, that, that showed that right. it was put together. You hmm. know, even if they welded it, there would have been seams or would have been something. How deeply was the triangle etched into it? Uh, not deeply. Is there I don't a picture think. of it? No, I could not find any hmm. pictures of the triangle. I'm like, is that a button? Just press it and <laughs> I like, I don't know. opens up and... I don't know, but he he said that the whole ma- uh, four different magnetic poles poles, thank you, <laughs> was a mind bender. kicking in, hunger. Well, yeah, the Dayquil <laughs> is kicking in. Starting to get a little dizzy. Uh, he said it was a mind bender. Hmm. Doctor Willinson also witnessed the sphere's ability to propel itself across surfaces and abruptly change directions, but was unable to determine a pattern in the movement or explain how it was even possible. One of the theories given was that it might be a damaged extraterrestrial probe or perhaps even some sort of anti-gravitational device. In the end, the Omega-1 Institute's findings regarding the identity of the mystery sphere were just as inconclusive as the Marines and the Navies and the Betts family were no closer to the truth. It seems to have like a consciousness about it. That's what 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 everybody says. It seems to have like a self-preservation mode that it protects itself from falling. It It doesn't doesn't like like certain things. One of the funniest, one of the funniest things I read somewhere was that somebody said, who's to say that aliens are our size? That might have been a UFO that wasn't able to fly. So they're they're shaking, they're shaking this thing and pinging it. I never thought of that. So that's actually kind of a cool idea. Sorry little guys. Cute Cute little aliens. Cute little aliens. So they're still stuck. This this weird Omega minus one institute that the the Wasn't astonishing the astonishing legends guys looked this up and apparently this was a legitimate it existed it existed. Wasn't there a movie where a kid found an alien spacecraft and it was a sphere? There might have been. And he got it was like a it was like a well known movie. Maybe it wasn't shaped like a sphere though. And he got inside and there was just like this chair. It was. I'd have know. to Google it. 80s movie about alien space flight of the navigator was that what it was yeah 1986 i never saw it and that's like my that was my heyday that was my heyday you would have thought i would have seen that and the ship was like it talked to him and stuff yeah 86 i still had hope for my life back then (laughs) (laughs) hopes dreams so much oh it wasn't really a sphere though it was like a walnut shape it's like a smushed sphere yeah never mind bad comparison So now in the 1970s, tons of magazines and other publications took a serious interest in subjects like cryptozoology, ufology, and the supernatural, mostly because those stories sold magazines. Mm -hmm. I remember being a kid that in the 70s and 80s, even when you would go through the checkout line, they'd always have those little books, Hmm. like little tiny books, and it was always like unexplained stuff, UFOs, ghost stories, and stuff like that. So, I mean, I remember that from those days that that was kind of a big thing. One of these magazines that took a great interest in the paranormal was the National Enquirer. Oh, sure. So Celebrities having alien babies. Yeah. yeah. No, the, the National Enquirer was never that bad. No, it no, wasn't? No. Like what Weekly World News. Of? You're thinking of Weekly World oh, News. Maybe. Weekly World yeah. News was bad. National Enquirer was mostly legit for the most part. It was still... Really? Ta- yeah. Yeah. It was a tabloid, but it was mostly yeah. legit because it was mostly celebrity stuff. Okay. On March 12th, 1972... 
The National Enquirer offered an award of $10,000 for the best scientific evidence of the reality of UFOs and $50,000 to the first person who could prove that an unidentified flying object came from outer space and is not a natural phenomenon. This sum would eventually be raised to $1 million in 1976. Ooh, good year. Were you born? born. Mm -hmm. While the Enquirer was considered by most to be little more than a supermarket tabloid, the publication took great pains to assemble what they referred to as, quote, their blue ribbon panel, which consisted of noted scientists, including Dr. J. Allen Hynek, Dr. James Albert Harder, Dr. R. Leo Sprinkle, who in 1974 was involved in the investigation of the popular Carl Higdon abduction case, biologist Frank Salisbury, State University of New York professor of philosophy, Dr. Robert F. Cregan, a former Supreme Court justice, a former attorney general of the United States, and a former New York Court of Appeals judge. So, I mean, this was a good... Yeah, that's a group of people. That is a group of people. That is a good group of people. Also, the heads of APRO, MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, and NICAP, or NICAP, National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon, also formed a panel that was in charge of deciding which cases would go before the main panel. So, I mean, they actually... That was a big deal. This was a big deal. I mean, they actually did a good job with this. A they major have a good, process. Yeah, it yeah. was a major thing. They had a good people running this <laughs> blue ribbon panel. It would be at the panel's discretion to decide if any of the evidence represented absolute proof of alien life and award its presenter the prize money. Up until this point, the only winner was Durrell Johnson and family who were involved in the Delphos, Kansas UFO encounter, resulting in a puzzling series of photos which won them $5,000 for scientifically valuable evidence on UFOs. In 1974, the panel convened in New Orleans and the Betts family decided to send the mystery sphere to the event. They didn't care so much about the reward money, they just wanted to show the sphere to these scientists who might be able to suggest what further analysis might be performed to help identify the orb. The Betts family had money. They, their their house that they lived in was, like, I think it's technically a castle. It's like a... Really? Yeah, I can show you pictures later. Okay. It's a really cool place. So they had money. They never cared about money. Hmm. Uh, so that was never a thing. It's just that this drove them nuts wanting to know what this, yeah. what this sphere was. <laughs> So Terry Betts made the trip to New Orleans with the sphere. Needless to say, the mystery sphere became the center of attention, and between April 20th and 21st, 1974, the device was subjected to yet another barrage of tests. And one thing is, if you pay attention to the dates, uh, this was pointed out by the Astonishing Legends guys, if you pay attention to the dates, all of this happens really, really condensed. I mean, this is all happening very quickly. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, they found the ball in March, and now it's April 20th and 21st, and they're going to the National Enquirer panel. So all this stuff happens in a very short span of time. While the panel confirmed much of what the Omega-1 Institute, the Marines, and the Navy's researchers had already revealed, it could not discern the origin of the orb, but as intrigued as the panel members were by the object, the fact that it had no direct connection to any UFO sighting eliminated any possibility of the Betzes winning the $50,000 hmm. reward. In the end, J. Allen Hynek surmised that the object was likely man-made, although he conceded that he had no idea what it was or where it came from. But the orb caught the attention of another member of the Blue Ribbon panel. Dr. James Albert Harder, a professor of civil and hydraulic engineering at the University of California at Berkeley, became increasingly intrigued by the reports he had been reading regarding the Betts sphere, and he was excited at the opportunity to examine the object firsthand. Following the National Enquirer competition, the Betzes allowed Harder to examine the globe. 
In an announcement made at the International UFO Congress in Chicago on June 24, 1977, Dr. Harder presented his findings regarding the Bet sphere. According to the book, The Encyclopedia of UFOs, quote, Dr. James A. Harder, Aperos Consultant in Civil Engineering, commented that an X-ray of the sphere should result in a donut-shaped presentation. However, the Navy X-ray showed two internal spheres after the 300-kilovolt X-ray bombardment rendered the shell invisible. This indicates that the internal material is much more dense than the stainless steel shell. Thus, a substantial portion of the weight in the internal material and the shell could be much thinner than half an inch. He asserted, based on his X-ray studies, that the two internal spheres are made of elements far heavier than anything known to science. While the heaviest element yet produced in any atomic reactor here on Earth has an atomic number of 105, and the heaviest element occurring naturally on Earth is uranium with an atomic number of 92, Harder claims to have determined that the Bet sphere has atomic numbers higher than 140. He stated that if one were to drill into the sphere, the masses might go critical and explode like an atomic bomb. Because of this danger, and because this object is still presumably under surveillance by its makers, Harder warned the audience against any attempt to go to Florida to investigate the Bet sphere. So he thinks this is bad, that this is a... He doesn't think it's man-made, though, right? He, he doesn't say. I mean, okay. he says nothing on Earth has this material so that's inside be. the sphere. That's inside. But that's inside the, the sphere. outside is man well, at least he doesn't know. Uh, some reports that I've read have said that when they tested the metal on the outside of the ball, they found minerals or compositions of minerals that would only occur in outer space. Hmm. So there's that. So it at least potentially traveled through space. Yeah, yeah. So, but he he said he basically was calling the the sphere a doomsday device. Said that if they drill into yeah. that, it'll blow up like an atomic bomb. Okay. So that was, that was in 1977, that was 1977 when he presented, but going back to, going back to the National Enquirer uh, panel when they decided that the ball wasn't going to win the money, Terry was given the sphere back and he returned to Florida. And strangely, this is pretty much where the story ends. That was where the story ended. There was nothing. Yep. So yeah, he went back to Florida with the ball and there's like no... No stories after that. There's no that, stories no. after that. That's strange. But this, and then you go forward to 1977 after Harder said that he felt that this, you know, it would blow up if he yeah. drilled into it. Right. After that was presented, reporters went to the Betts house to get their reaction to it, and it was completely abandoned. There was nobody there. That doesn't uh, surprise me, actually. No, no. Uh, yeah, so after that, Reporters from around the world sought out the Betts family members for their reaction to Dr. Harder's report of the sphere as a potential atomic bomb. But Antoine, Jerry, and the children could not be found, their home seemingly abandoned. There seemed to be few, if any, follow-up articles or news stories, which everyone thought was weird, since the story of the globe seemed to hit its most fascinating point, the belief that the orb might have been some kind of weird alien doomsday device. Some people believe that the Betts family buried the sphere or hid it somewhere and went back to the anonymous life that they originally wanted. Other people believe that after Dr. Harder's announcement that he believed it to be a weapon of some kind, the military took the sphere from the Betts family and are in possession of it today. Other people think that the whatever it was that created the sphere came to take it back. To this day, nobody knows what the Betts mystery sphere was, where it came from, or where it is right Have now. Have they seen the family? Does anybody know where they are now? That's in the updates. Okay. So that's the story that was on the internet before okay. the updates. So now we get to three main theories and sub-theories. Okay. 
Main theory number one, the bet sphere was not of this world. And I mean, that's... It just seems like nobody can explain it. No, no, exactly. So sub-theory number one is that it was part of an alien ship or it was an alien drone. I mean, it's very rare that something like this happens. That, yeah. some, that something is witnessed by... Yeah. Sounds and like nothing hundreds makes of people. Sense. You know, the thing right. is, I was around in 1974. Even you know, somebody said, "Well, maybe they were doing it by remote control." You didn't have that kind of remote control in 1974. No, that you could not make this ball roll around on its own like it was doing, and then go back. You know, they speculated that somebody was around the corner with a little, you know, like like these days you have the I'm little cars, a guy with a like the remote control car, yeah, that you can. But they did not have that in 1974. Well, were they following it to these labs where scientists were doing? <laughs> yeah, no. that's another thing. So people, that was one of the speculations that it was part of an alien ship or it was an alien drone. Sub theory number two: it actually was an alien weapon or a doomsday device, and this gets into ancient astronaut theory. And, you know, some people believe that there was some kind of nuclear war way back in Earth's history and think that the biblical cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were actually destroyed by some kind of nuclear weapon. We'll get more into that in a future episode. But some people believe this sphere was one of those ancient weapons that was somehow unearthed and ended up where it was found or that it was an alien weapon that was somehow left behind. I wonder if this has ever been brought up on ancient aliens. It has been. It has? It has. They have just talked about this on ancient aliens. But that's one of the theories, too. They've talked about the sphere? Yes. Okay. Sub-theory number three, it was actually an alien or an artificial intelligence. And I mean, it obviously has, it's obviously, have some kind it's of showing some signs of, yeah. of artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like it was doing things randomly. No. But, or, nor in any kind of pattern. But it did, it does, it did it things randomly where all of a sudden it would start making a noise. Where, you know, all of a sudden it would, out of the blue, it would make a pinging, like a little pinging noise. But maybe it was reacting to something that you didn't realize yes. it was reacting yeah. to. So it was random that way, but it it seemed to exhibit an intelligence. It seemed to have a self-preservation mode where it wouldn't let itself fall off the table, mm-hmm. you know? Like it was choosing where it went. Yeah, yep. Sub-theory number four, it was a Foo Fighter, and not the Dave Grohl kind, the mm-hmm. actual Foo Fighter. Dang. Towards the end of World War II, pilots began reporting inexplicable lights following their aircraft. The objects flew alongside aircraft at 200 miles per hour. They were red or orange or green, and they appeared singly or with as many as 10 others in formation, and they often outmaneuvered the airplanes they were chasing, never showing up on radar. Is that where the name of the band came from? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Yep. That is where the, that's where the Foo Fighters came okay. from. A lot of uh, pilots saw these back hmm. in those days, and they speculated that this might have been a downed Foo Fighter. Sure. If Looking at pictures of it, it's very reflective. The, the pictures you gave me, it looks yeah. like it's very shiny. It's not, though. There's oh, okay. there's different pictures. I'll show you okay. in a little bit. Uh, for the longest time, the only pictures that existed of this were like the ones I showed you. Mm-hmm. There's a picture of Terry Betts up on the the panel with at the National Enquirer thing. There's one picture of him with sitting next to one of the professors or scientists at the National Enquirer. Uh, panel there's mm-hmm. only one picture from that so there were very few pictures up until the update now okay. there's more pictures so those are the sub theories for it is not of this world okay main theory number two the bet sphere was a hoax hmm. and for the longest time people kind of thought this because there was really no evidence there was nobody backing up some of the stuff that happened but it just seems the family hated this. The family hated that they were... But it's like they could. it was tested and 
I mean, studied yeah, and, yeah. and nobody yep. could debunk nope. anything. Nope. Or nope. But people still suspected that the family somehow built this thing or created this thing. Hmm. And the family was going nuts with the attention they were getting because of this. Right. If it was a hoax, they could have just like showed him what it was and said, oh, it turns out to be nothing. Yeah. Never mind. Nothing to see here. So. Hmm. Yeah. If I, they got I don't sick re- of the attention, you think yeah. they would have revealed I, it to I totally don't buy. No, I don't buy it either. I feel like too many people saw it doing things that yep. defied physics. Yep. And then main theory three, the bet sphere was an ordinary object that was misidentified. In sub theory one, it was a down satellite. It's difficult to claim that the Betts mystery sphere does not resemble a Sputnik-style Soviet satellite with its antennas ripped off, or perhaps even a simplified version of China's Shijian-1 experimental satellite, which was launched in 1971. Wouldn't you see where exactly. things were attached exactly. to it, Exactly, and there was nothing. There was, there was no opening, or there was nothing that you could see that was ripped off and of it. And wouldn't x-rays reveal that it was simply a satellite? Yeah. As tempting as it is to suppose that the sphere was a man-made satellite, the fact remains that there was absolutely no indication of a crash on the Betts property, save the brush fire, and no sign of any re-entry burns on the object itself. So are we thinking that's where the fire originated from? They don't, we don't know. It seems logical. Uh, we'll find out later that because there were brush fires happening oh, all okay. the time around that time, but there's no Maybe way to tell for sure them. whether or not this started the brush fire. Right. These two facts alone would seem to entirely disqualify the notion that the mystery sphere was a downed satellite. And I don't totally don't buy that explanation. No, I don't either. Sub-theory number two, it is a sea-bottom marker. UFO author Roland D. Story suggests that the object might have been a sea-bottom marker, which was used to assist missile-launching submarines by giving them stable points of reference for ballistic calculations. According to Story, quote, the Navy's failure to identify the sphere could be due to, quote, need-to-know restrictions related to classified devices. The flaw in this theory resides in the fact that even if Berninger and his team did not have top-secret clearance, the hoopla surrounding the discovery of this sphere, not to mention the reams of paperwork that would have been necessary to conduct these experiments with the Navy personnel, would have surely set off some kind of alarm even in top-secret circles. Hmm. You know, they would have noticed, they would have known that it was something of theirs even if they right. weren't privy to the information mm-hmm. they would have noticed that it was something to do with their, with them and they said no it's not ours the Betts family had already agreed to give up the device if it proved to be military property and it would have taken very little effort on the navy's or the marines part to keep the sphere in their possession if the technology was that sensitive mm-hmm. even if they wanted to keep the device's purpose a secret i mean at any time they could have said oh crap that is ours right and they would have gladly given them it back right. knowing what it was because all they wanted to do was know what this thing was exactly and that's the whole thing even if it did belong to the navy it still doesn't explain how it was defying physics and i would exactly. want the answers to exactly. that exactly and uh on the on the uh, astonishing legends podcast one of the hosts keeps going back to that he mm-hmm. said, yeah, but it did stuff on its own. It rolled on its own, you know. Well, and the poles not lining yeah. up yep. while they should kind of that's yep. what i keep coming back to. The flip side of this coin is that the bet sphere might have been a piece of top secret or even perhaps extraterrestrial technology and that the military actually replaced it with an exact replica when they gave it back to the family. Hmm. Possibility. Sure. That's the you know risk but, you take. But it you'll find out when we do the updates. Did it behave the, exactly the same when they we'll got do, it back? We'll find out when we do the okay. updates. <laughs> and sub-theory three, this is the big one. When you do searches on the bet sphere... Did you hit yourself? I just, yeah, okay. was pulling my microphone towards me and smacked myself in wait. the face with it. And, 
And sub theory three, this is the big one. When you do searches on the BetSphere, like in YouTube, you're going to come up with a ton of links that say BetSphere debunked, and you're going to find articles saying this is all the BetSphere was. You're going to find literally hundreds of those. Okay. And that is sub theory three, that it is a ball valve ball. Okay. It's a ball that goes in a ball yeah. valve. Okay. So this is kind of a lengthy explanation here, but this got pretty much declared what the bet sphere was. Okay. The Palm Beach Post reported on April 18th, 1974, that a woman named Lottie Robinson recognized the ball from the newspaper photos, then went and got her own ball out of the garage where it had sat for some 15 years. Technicians from the St. Regis Company paper mill identified it as a ball valve from some large pipes used in their factory and that it had been scrapped 15 years before. Somehow the ball had found its way from a scrap dealer to Mrs. Robinson's son and from there to her garage. It was very close but not identical in size and weight to the Betts sphere. Seen this article, Robert Edwards, president of a Jacksonville, Florida equipment supply company, picked up the phone. He showed a UPI reporter a brand new stainless steel ball manufactured by Bell and Howell in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Edwards and the reporter uncrated it, weighed it, and measured it and found that it was 8 inches across and weighed just over 21 pounds, exactly like the Betts sphere. Edwards said, quote, I'm not saying that this thing didn't come from outer space because I've never seen it. All I'm saying is that the physical description of it matches exactly the type of ball we carry in stock. Are these things known to wander away and come back on their own? <laughs> we'll, get, and... we'll get to that too. Okay. We'll get to that. We'll get to that like very soon. <laughs> like a bowling ball looks like one of these things, but I'm not calling it a bowling ball. The Navy scientists had identified the ball as being made of an alloy called stainless steel number 431. According to the website of a supplier of this alloy, quote, number 431 has been successfully used in a variety of aircraft and general industrial applications. These include fasteners, bolts, valve components, and chemical equipment. So if this is the case, how did one of these spheres end up on the Betz's property? For that, we have to go back a ways. Shortly after the story broke, a Coca-Cola delivery man saw some similar-looking spheres in a sculpture outside the hotel managed by artist James Derling Jones in Taos, New Mexico. He called Derling Jones' attention to the newspaper stories about the Betz sphere. According to the April 23, 1974 edition of the Okala, I believe it's Okala, Okala Star Banner, Derling Jones claimed to have lost some of the orbs he was going to use for a sculpture when a few of them fell off the luggage rack of his Volkswagen bus while he was driving through the Jacksonville area <laughs> near Easter of 1971 on his way home to Taos, New Mexico. Damn hippies. <laughs> <laughs> Derling Jones asserted that he had gotten the industrial valve spears from an anonymous friend who had gotten the objects illegally. He also claimed that the noises the family heard the spheres make had a very logical explanation. Quote, the rattle comes from trying to patch the sphere. The company drills the spheres and rewells them before machining them again. Sometimes some of the milling or drilling chips drop inside and that's where the noise is coming from. As to the spheres' weird movements, Navy spokesman Chris Berninger concluded, quote, I believe it's because of the construction of the house. It's old and has uneven stone floors. The ball is almost perfectly balanced, and it just takes a little indentation to make it move or change direction. I don't buy it. People opposed to this theory point out that none of the experts who examined the orb noticed any well marks, and that x-rays seem to reveal distinct structures within the object. And the strange movements the sphere made are far too elaborate to just be a house with uneven floors. Well, and he checked the table, and it was level. Yep. 
But this is where basically everything ended. People said that's what this was. It was a ball joint ball. I don't think that explains any of those yeah. things. But that's where when For you look once up, I'm not poo-pooing yeah. all over the story. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's, this is when you look it up. This is what everybody says it is a ball joint ball that was used that this guy had him on the top of his Volkswagen bus to go do a sculpture and they fell off the top of the bus rolled onto their property. So there's that. That's basically the given explanation. Hmm. And lastly, what the hell happened to the Betts family? Journalists, investigators, and researchers have sought in vain to find the merest trace of the pre-med student who discovered the sphere, his parents, or his siblings. Were they shocked into hiding for the rest of their lives by the frenzy that overwhelmed them, or were the family perhaps eliminated so someone or some group could obtain the sphere? Hmm. And that is where my original report ended. ended. Yep. So now we get to the major update. And like I said, it's still crazy to me that this happened when I was researching this. On January 13th, 2019, which was a month ago, Mm -hmm. exactly a month ago, Mm -hmm. the podcast Astonishing Legends released part one of their Bet's Sphere episode series. If you've never listened to Astonishing Legends, you need to. It's an amazing podcast. The hosts, Scott and Forrest, are awesome and even have a team working with them that research everything. These guys do crazy research. Wow. Like, insanely crazy research. Okay. A lot of their episodes span three or four different parts. Jeez. Uh, they look up old newspaper articles to, to, to verify everything. They look up everything on Google Maps to see where stuff happened. They're crazy researchers. So they don't accidentally download um, research that has a, <laughs> a more Murray steak timeline burrito. that has a steak burrito. Probably not. Recipe mixed in. Okay, Dude, good. That would probably get caught early mm, in the okay. process. We need, we need a, a crew to do. We need a well, <laughs> we need a, a group of interns to do our research. <laughs> yeah. So I can sit and play video Un- games instead of researching. Interns. Yes. <laughs> When their Bet Sphere episode came out, it was announced that they managed to track down and interview a member of the Betts family. And that's a big thing. They did? They did. Wow. Uh, and it was not like a, a f- fifth cousin twice removed. I mean, this <laughs> was, was a hardcore. One of them, yeah. This was one of them. Uh, yeah, this was definitely one of them. Uh, she wishes to remain anonymous, but Scott and Forrest know who she is. They completely checked her background, they checked everything, and she is. An, an inner inner member. I feel like there were three people in this story: the mom, the husband, and the son. There weren't. So there is were, it the there mom? Were, no, oh, there okay. weren't. The, we'll get to the mom. Okay. There weren't though. There were other siblings. Oh, okay. And I don't want to. I don't want to speculate who it is because she really wanted to stay anonymous. Okay. But don't know exactly who it is. But it is somebody that is one inner of them. Circle. It is in the inner circle. Immediate Bats family. family. Okay. Yep. She wishes to remain anonymous, but Scott and Forrest know who she is, and they looked into her, and she's totally legit. She 100% is. For literally decades, there's really been nothing new reported or cleared up about the story of the sphere, so this interview is a big thing. I emailed them and asked if it would be okay if I could discuss on our podcast some of the things she said, since it's their big scoop and all. And they said they would totally be okay, and they would even check out our podcast. So if you're listening, guys, thank you so much, and you and your show are amazing. It is seriously one of my favorite podcasts. Very cool. So thank you. If you are interested in this topic at all, you need to go listen to these episodes. There are four parts, and it is more than 10 hours about the Betts sphere. Listening to the Betts family member talk is amazing. Uh, I have a really good BS detector for when somebody's talking. And I, I do I, too, actually. I 100% think she's legit. Mm-hmm. She's. I'm, I'm guessing she's in her 50s or 60s, so she's older than I am. Okay. But... 
when you listen to her talk, you're like, no, she's totally legit. In the last episode, the part four that I listened to this morning, they even had a Scotland Yard officer email them and say that based on his training, she is 100% telling the truth about everything. Wow. And when I found out that this happened, my heart like sank because I'm like, oh God, they're going to say, this update is going to say none of this stuff happened. Mm-hmm. This was all made up. It was all a hoax, a hoax, yeah. but that's not the case. Not the case at all. So here are some of the fascinating things that came up during the interview with the Betts family member. And they actually play the interviews with her okay. talking, saying what's going on. When the podcast contacted her about being interviewed for the show, she wasn't going to agree to it. She went online and looked up stuff about the Betts sphere, which she had never done before and was amazed that all of this was out there. A lot of it inaccurate and some of it left out. Then she researched the Astonishing Legends podcast and was really impressed with them, so she agreed to the interview, saying that it would be the one and only interview she would be giving about the sphere. One of the first things that she brought up is that there's a lot of, not discrepancies, but there's a lot of assumptions made about when they found the sphere. She was actually there when they found the sphere. Okay. She was, you know, she's not in the main, you know, it's always just Antoine, Jerry, and Terry, Mm -hmm. but she was there when they found the sphere. She said a lot of the reports and stuff make it sound like it was on their lawn, the lawn of the property, and it wasn't. It was actually found in the woods. She said that they owned... They just bought a part of that woods because Jerry Betts was selling the trees to the paper mill to make money. That Mm -hmm. was like her cash crop was selling the trees to the paper mill. And with the fires that had been going on, they went out there with a bulldozer and made fire breaks where they would just, you know, clear a long length of the woods so that if a tree started on fire and fell, it would not fall against another tree and start Mm -hmm. that tree on fire. It would fall into this clearing. So they went out and made a bunch of these and... After one of these fires went through, they went out to this woods to check to see if everything was okay. Walking down one of the the uh, fire breaks, they noticed that there was a weird section of the woods where the Betts family members said it almost looked like a microburst or something had gone through because tree trunks in that area were completely broken in half, like something happened there. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't call it an impact zone, but it was something... Kind of like how a tor- if a tornado went through. Yeah, where, like uh... something significant happened yeah. there. Like if the storm condensed and hit that one area, cause she said the trees were all bent in half and something happened there. And it was when they were looking at that section that they saw sh- something shiny on the ground near the microburst area. So that's basically where they found it was in the middle of the woods. Interesting. She said that the story about the balls being from an art exhibit were 100% not true. She said this thing was a mile into the woods. There's no way the belt. <laughs> she said there's no way the ball fell off someone's VW bus the unless wo- the guy was doing some serious off-roading, <laughs> you know, driving through the woods in his right. in his VW bus. She said that she said the guy would have had to been off-roading in his VW bus, or the ball would have had to fall off and roll 20 miles through the woods to where it was found. I'm, I'm saying no. Yeah. So she said it's no. And the the hosts of Astonishing Legends tried to track down this guy, and there's like no. He the, doesn't exist. This sculptor, there's no proof. There's no. There's nothing that says that this guy even actually existed. Okay. So that almost sounds like a cover-up story that mm-hmm. was put out to explain away the ball. Right. So, Bait but yeah, the thought of some guy off-roading in his VW bus through yeah. the woods with these balls on his luggage rack. Sure. For God's sakes, on top yeah. of the... Why would, you, why would you put them on your luggage rack? But 
No. She says one of the first things the family thought it was was that it was a ball from a valve or some piece of factory equipment. They took the ball and showed it to several industries around there right after they found it, and nobody knew what it was. Hmm. She said she was annoyed because there was a, a reporter on the news that said it was a ball valve and she had this ball valve and she was like tossing it back and forth in her hands. And she said, this thing weighed 21 pounds. You're not going to toss it back and forth in your hands. So she was just really annoyed that this got written off Mm -hmm. as a ball valve. She said, that's not what it was. I didn't like that explanation. No. Uh, She said that the ball was not on a shelf in Terry's room. It was actually, I can picture it in my head. She said there was like a window, like a bay window that had like a seat built into it with like a cushion on it. Okay. She said it was like in that area where the ball sat. And she said the ball would roll around on its own in that little section. So it wasn't necessarily the guitar thing that set it off. But that's like called like one of the first things. That's interesting. And she said that the ball would constantly roll back to the person who rolled it, not just once or twice. She said it did it all the time. Hmm. She said a newscaster came out and rolled the ball several times and was amazed that it always came back to him. He would try rolling the ball and then quickly moving away, but the ball would just keep rolling until it finally got to him. Were they always in the house when they were rolling the ball? No, no. So Uh, that wouldn't explain that the house were uneven, you know? see this in a little bit. Okay. Uh, So there's... You know, she said that one of the things that never shows up was that the ball was crazy, like crazy magnetic. But she said it happened the more you played with the ball, the more you rolled the ball around, the more magnetic it got. And they realized that because one day they were rolling it around on that table, trying to roll it off the edge and it wouldn't. And she said on one corner of the table, there was a paperclip and she said the paperclip jumped across the table and stuck to the ball. Hmm. So then they rolled it around for a long time near a, one of those 70s metallic ashtrays. Mm-hmm. And she said it got sucked right to the ball, and they said they had to use all of their weight to pull the ashtray off the ball. So they said the, the more the ball rolled, the more magnetic it got. That's strange. Which is strange. Uh, she's, and this was kind of a big thing. This is where the discrepancy in the x-rays comes in. Okay. She said that the ball was sent to the Mayport Naval Air Station to be examined. They called the Betts family back and said they needed a stronger x-ray because theirs wasn't strong enough to penetrate the shell. So they said they could not see inside the sphere. So they asked if they could take it to Cape Canaveral, but Jerry wouldn't let them. Jerry said that she was afraid of losing the chain of command of the ball, Mm -hmm. so she refused to let them take the ball. So she demanded that they send the ball back. So one night, a delivery guy showed up with the ball, but he also had a manila envelope with him. And the family says that they're convinced that they were not supposed to get that manila envelope because they opened it up and there was an x-ray of the ball. And that's where you could see that the there were no seams on the ball and the inside seemed to have smaller spheres with a strange halo or membranes about them with what looked like little wires sticking out. So the story of them not being able to x-ray it was just a story. They actually yes. were. That's where the discrepancy comes and in is because they said that we could them. not x-ray it but then they accidentally sent the x the x-ray that they took of it Alrighty then so i'm going to show you the x-ray because they actually sent the x-ray oh, to the, the guys cool. to... wow we get to see the x-ray yeah oh i'm excited like i said this is this was like floored me because this is big i've st- i've followed this thing for literally like 15 or 20 years to have wow. this stuff happen now yeah it's like, holy it's crap amazing but I'm going to tell you before I show you the pictures, it's not what I expected. I expected okay. when they said there were two or three spheres inside, I expected bigger spheres. Okay, that's these what are, I pictured. These are not bigger spheres. Okay. They're small. They're like the size of an M&M. Okay. So this is a pretty interesting case, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, really interesting. 
So this, I'll show you a couple pictures. I don't know if I should post these in the strangers because if you guys want to see these pictures, go to the Astonishing Legends yeah, page they because them, right? it's their pictures. I mean, mm -hmm. they were nice enough to let me talk about this stuff. I don't want to yank their pictures off of there. So go to the Astonishing. Maybe I'll put a link to it in, in our group and then do. you can look at the pictures. But I'll just show you a couple here. This is going to be riveting for them, me showing you pictures. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I could have really exaggerated reactions to them. That'd be entertaining. <laughs> All right. Here is Antoine Betts. That's the dad. He's a dapper looking guy. Sure. Kind of has an Errol Flynn thing going on. Mm -hmm. Here is Jerry Betts, my crush. Oh, yeah. She's pretty. She's super pretty. Those she's pictures a, she's, are clearly from the 50s. She's an amazing person, though. We'll get more into that in a little bit. And here is, here is a picture of the table that the ball was on oh, when it wouldn't roll off. Not at all what I was nope, picturing. Not at all what anybody pictured. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot of wood. Yep. That's what she said. <laughs> and here is a picture of the Bet sphere. Interesting. It looks like a lead like lead ball. shot. It looks you like a lead yeah, yeah, it looks like a lead ball. It has a it's dark but it has a little yeah. bit of a sheen. I expect to it, it to be like more silver looking, like a silver like a steely, yeah. like a marble steely. No, it looks like lead. And here is the X ray of the inside of the Betts sphere. I'm dying to know if they still have it. I waited. I waited to find <laughs> out in the podcast in the very last 30 seconds oh, of the seriously? podcast. Seriously, I waited. That's what I wanted. Because I'm going to tell you right now, it's added to my bucket list. I have a very okay. small bucket list, but I want to hold this thing in my hands one day. Right. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I want to hold the Betts sphere in my hand one day. Well, you just answered my question. So here, I'm going to magnify it. Here is the x-ray of the inside of the sphere. And you can see the three. Oh, yeah. Like, they're really small. But you you could see the three spheres. It's and they interesting said, how they're kind of like concentric, said, like planets. They, that's exactly what one of the hosts of Astonishing Legends said. Oh, is he said it reminds strange. him of a planetary yeah. system. But they said it's weird that if you look that one. Maybe it's a universe. They said that's, you know, brought up its possibility. <laughs> yeah. But they said that one is like a splotch almost, like it exploded. It's not quite as circular. No, it's, and they said it yeah. looks like it exploded, and that makes them wonder if this ball couldn't do more things, but it exploding like that is what made the ball Disabled not it. able to, yeah, to disable it basically, hmm. other than rolling around. That's strange. So that is the inside of the sphere that the family was sent that they're sure they were not supposed to be sent. Wow. Very cool. But I, I expected like bigger... I want to say like yo-yo like 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 size, yeah. but not. I was but still, what's balls. in there is weird. Yeah, those three things are weird. The fact that anything is in there is weird. Yep, and they said that. Uh, are they solid? Are they hollow? Well, they said they said what's weird is that there's no seams on it, so they have no idea how this was open or these things were put in there. And they said what's really weird is that you couldn't hear the ball the. You could hear the, the little spheres in there. You could not hear them rattle when it rolled. But right, they said so ev but they said every now and then when it would just be sitting on the shelf or after you played with it, you would hear the sound of a ping. Like one of them hit... Another the, one, maybe? One of them hit the, uh, the shell. You think so? But they said that... Uh, they said that that's when the family started to suspect that the inside was filled with a liquid, where it was filled with a liquid that was completely airtight, so you couldn't hear the sloshing. Because if it was if it had a little air in there when you were rolling it, you would hear the sloshing of the liquid inside. Well, and it would the yeah. 
the weight so they would said, change. They said the you... only thing that makes sense is that it was filled airtight with a liquid, like completely with a liquid that had these little spheres in it, and that every now and then they would go through the liquid and ping against the side of the... I feel like that is that impossible to do though? It is impossible to do okay. because there, there's no way to put the stuff inside the sphere. Right. That's why they said that's why they cannot figure out because they said sometimes the sphere would just be sitting there on the shelf and you would hear a little ping like something inside hit the shell. Hmm. So it, it makes no sense. That's the only thing they could think of is that it was filled with a liquid or some kind well, of gas and it doesn't that look, would hold, that would suspend the spheres yeah. inside so they wouldn't rattle. It doesn't look like the kind of material that would make a pinging noise either. It yeah. looks... And, and and they said, why did the Navy lie about that they couldn't see through the... Right, that's weird. Well, that they couldn't see anything on the x-ray when they actually sent the wrong x-ray. When some intern accidentally sent them yeah, the x-ray. That's what, that's what the <laughs> Astonishing Legend guys had a laugh about that. Like, oh, crap. Can we get that back? <laughs> so now we get to the Inquirer panel, which was really fascinating, I thought. Uh, when Terry traveled, the orb wasn't kept in a duffel bag. It was actually kept in a bowling ball bag, yeah, which I funny. think is funny. Yeah. So at the Inquirer panel, at the Inquirer panel, it sounds like it was nuts. It was filled with just like dozens and dozens of reporters, scientists. Everybody wanted to see this thing. At the Inquirer panel, Terry had the ball roll up a plexiglass ramp from a dead stop for a bunch of scientists and reporters who were filming this and taking photos. Wow. And I guess they were just blown away that this was, it would go from a dead stop and he could have it roll up an incline. Hmm. So everybody, yeah, how do you fake that? Everybody was taking video. Everybody was taking pictures. During the panel, at one point, he got pulled aside by the military and told that his mother had just been in a bad car accident and was in critical condition. Terry tried calling home and couldn't get through. Everyone's lines were busy. He could not get through to anybody. All the lines were busy. The military said that they could get him, him home quicker, so they flew him home to the airport by his house. This happened? Yes. This is what the family member says happened. Okay. That always gets left out, is that they told him, your mom is hurt. She's in critical condition, just had a car accident. We can get you home. You got to go now. So yeah. what do you think that means that he did not do? He didn't grab the ball and He go. did not grab the sphere and left it there at the convention. So they flew him home. He got home, ran into the house, opened the door, and there's his mom in the kitchen doing the dishes. Oh, and geez. she's like, what are you doing home? And he's like, crap. Yoink. Yeah. So they're like, military. they're like, crap. We, <laughs> and, you know, we've been bamboozled. We, yeah, we've been bamboozled. <laughs> so then what, they didn't know what to do. They didn't trust the military anymore because of this. So what happened was that two of the Bet's sisters got in their car and they drove to New Orleans while Terry got on a plane to fly to New Orleans. So those the two girls were headed there driving while Terry flew back to New Orleans. He, I think it was like the next day that he got there, and, and the the car with the daughters with the sisters had already got there. So he got there, got back to the hotel where they were having the panel, tried going up to the stage, and two military guys stopped him and said he could not go to get the ball because they were doing experiments on it at the time because the ball was up at the panel and everybody was looking at it. So they stopped him from going up there and getting the ball. And at that time, a reporter saw him and is like, hey, that's Terry Betts. And then he got swarmed by reporters and people filming and stuff. And one of the reporters asked him, is there anything else cool the ball can do? And he said, yeah, there is. Let me show you. So then he walked through the soldiers because they didn't know what to do because they were being filmed at the time and they didn't mm -hmm. want to like hold him back. Right. So he went up to the panel. He went up, climbed up the little stairs to the panel, grabbed the ball, put it in the bowling ball bag and walked out of the building. Check ya. <laughs> so then he got in the car with the two girls and they drove back home. And they're certain it's the same one. I mean, it was That's the next the, they, day, they got, right? they got They got back home. They got back home with the ball 
and they realized something was wrong. The ball wouldn't roll on its own anymore. Hmm. So they believed that during that day or two that Terry wasn't there, something had been done to the ball. It was still magnetic. It still had the weird magnetic stuff, but it mm-hmm. would not, you could push it and it would just stay. Did they think it was the same ball or it had been switched? They believed that it was the same ball due to it having the same marks or pitting on the outside. Okay. So they said it looked... That'd be hard to mimic, I guess. Not necessarily. Overnight? Not necessarily. I mean, possibly. I don't know. But they're pretty convinced that it was the same ball. They're pretty convinced it was the same ball, but they think something had been done to it. So they took it to get it x-rayed again at one of these places that had that really good x-ray, that 500 kilovolt or whatever Mm x-ray. So now the new x-rays showed what looked like a white line going down the center of the ball and where there had been spheres in the ball before. Now it looked empty except for a couple of small metal shavings. So like they cut it open and removed the spheres? Yep. So it looked from the white line going down the center of the sphere, it looked like it had been cut open or but possibly... But there was no visible no, seam on No, it? there was no seam on it. And that's why she said, uh, the, the, the lady they were talking to, the witness said they couldn't figure that out because they didn't have lasers. I mean, they had lasers, but like rudimentary lasers in 1974 that you could not cut this thing in half hmm. and then have it back together to look like nothing had been taken out, which led them to wonder if this was maybe a replica that it wasn't the actual right. sphere. Yeah. You know, that so... That seems more logical. Yeah. Especially since it's not behaving the same. Nope. They said that just the rolling stuff stopped. So mm. they were kind of pissed. Was it <laughs> still know? making the noises? Nope. Nope. Mm. It had the magnetic properties, but it didn't have any of the other stuff. It dick just, move military. Yeah, it was totally a dick move. So mm. then the, the Betts family member that they talked to also went in to talk about a couple other things. She said that J. Allen Hynek actually stayed at the house with them uh, I think it was one night or a couple different nights, and that he was utterly fascinated with the ball. I guess that uh, the lady they were talking to said Jerry was actually kind of pissed because during the night she got up and went to the bathroom and saw into the room that J. Allen Hynek was in, his bedroom, and he took the ball and was playing around with it, and she was kind of pissed that he didn't ask, mm. you know, could I take the ball? He just grabbed it and took it. What well, is why he's there. Yeah. I mean. Yep. Uh, so he played with it a while, and he was just fascinated with it. The the lady from the family that they talked to said that Heineck told them he did believe the ball was not from our planet, hmm, even though he's stated as saying that he believes the ball was not extraterrestrial. He told the family that he does believe the ball is extraterrestrial. Is extraterrestrial. Yes. Okay. He told the family that he believed the ball off should... Off the record kind of yes, thing? Yes, off the record kind of okay. thing. He told the family that he believed the ball should have been kept inside a Faraday cage so signals could not come in or be sent out because he was worried it was communicating with something. Oh, boy. He also said something about another one of these spheres showing up in England, which did the same things and ended up shooting through a family's ceiling in their living room. Yeah. Okay. And he also talked a lot with the family about UFOs, telling them that there had indeed been UFO crashes where alien bodies had been recovered. But, you know, the host of Astonishing Legends questioned whether this was disinformation or if he was... Misdirection. If he was, it was misdirection or if he was testing the family's loyalty to see if they would say anything mm-hmm. about what he said. Uh, Jerry is 100% convinced that uh, Heineck is behind the ball not being the same ball when it came back. They think he did it? They or think he... that he did it at the convention because he was one of the people on the, hmm. the blue ribbon panel. Wow. So she really thinks that he is responsible for that. After the conference incident, some people contacted... Oh, this is another thing about that 
the the lady they interviewed. I wish I had a name because I have to keep referring to her as the lady they interviewed, the, the Betts lady. family member. Mm-hmm. Another thing she said is that the after the news came out about the sphere, it got so bad that one of the daughters in the family had been married to a cop. And the cop had to basically move into the house because people were trying to break in. People were coming at all hours of the night looking in the windows and stuff. And it was just getting nuts. And after the conference incident, a couple people contacted Jerry who said that they were into technology and were interested in seeing the ball. They were picked up by the police officer's son-in-law who immediately had a strange feeling about them. He picked them up at the airport, brought them to the house, and when they got out of the car, they gave them a $1,000 tip. They went into the house... Uh, Jerry instantly did not like them. She said she had a really bad feeling about them. And the son-in-law had a bad feeling about them. Just they, they felt really uneasy around them. As soon as they walked into the house, they told Jerry that they would give her $750,000 for the ball. Holy moly. But because Jerry had such a bad feeling about the group, she lied and told them the ball was not in the house, that it was being studied. They then became very cold and irritated. After they left, Jerry contacted the group that the people claimed to be from, but nobody knew anything about them. So uh, the hosts of Astonishing Legends said it sounds like Men in Black, like a Men in Black situation where she said they were odd, that she was just creeped out by them, that there was something. Yeah, yeah. that was like immediate bad feeling. Mm -hmm. They then pulled back on putting stuff out about the ball because they realized they were starting to attract possibly dangerous people. Right. And after that happened, something else happened that Jerry doesn't think had anything to do with the ball, but it still was... An odd coincidence? Uh, no, like like troubling. Uh, one day she was scheduled to have some people come and work on their septic tank. Uh, they talked to her and said they would have to come in and flush the toilet every now and then to test stuff out, make sure everything was going good. So they were doing this, and at one point she got on the phone and she was calling somebody, and she had her back to the door, and was talking on the phone, and she heard the door open and was kind of waiting for the toilet flush and didn't hear it. So she started to turn around, and all of a sudden she had an arm around her throat, and it was the guy was forcing her to the ground. Oh, my God. She started screaming into the phone, and then the guy stopped because he did not know she had she was talking on the phone because she had it under her hair, and he couldn't see because she had long hair. Mm-hmm. He could not see that she was on the phone. So once he found out she was on the phone, he got up and ran away, and the, the people that were working on the septic tank ran away and got a caught by the cops and arrested oh my God. and she doesn't think it was anything to do with the sphere she just thinks it perv. was just like a, a rape attempt yeah or a robbery attempt or something but they just were they that, actual employees of the septic company i get yeah they were the police caught up with them down the road from the house and it became a he said she said thing oh boy. where they basically ended up getting nothing but by that point they were like done with, with who was she on the phone with I don't, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't like remember they would have been a said, witness to what was going on. Well, yeah, because she was screaming on the phone at them mm. that she was getting attacked. Jeez. Uh, the lady they talked to from the family said she doesn't remember anything about it being more active in the sunlight, but she said that one day they accidentally left the ball out in the sun and the ball got amazingly hot where it almost burned their hands when they tried to touch it. Hmm. They ended up bringing it back into the house and three days later, the ball was still too hot to touch. That's odd. Which is really odd. I feel like it being hot after being out in the sun is not odd. But, but no, she said three days heat? later, it was still hot. That's odd. That is very odd. Uh, she said that Jerry thought J. Allen Hynek had a lot to do with the ball being taken and changed. So there's that. Mm-hmm. And again, I... Uh, urge anybody that's interested in this to go listen to the astonishing legends episodes because you get to hear all of her stuff and she talks a lot about what was really neat is that she talks a lot about the family like Mm -hmm. before they were kind of just a backdrop to the story of the ball but the more she talks about them the more 
interesting everything is. One thing she said that I thought was really cool was she said that Jerry was actually kind of psychic. Like she said that there was one time that they were on board this ship touring it, I guess. And you could hear the sound of them trying to turn the engine on and it would not go on. So Jerry asked the sailor that was escorting them around what was going on. And he said, we're having a problem. We can't get the ship going. And she said, well, do you have a pen and paper? And he said, yeah. And she said, write this down. And she gave him a a list of 20 letters and numbers. And the guy looked them up and it was a part for the ship that had just been replaced. And it turned out that that part had been defective. And that's why the ship was not going. That's really strange. Which leads me to wonder if she was not maybe influencing the ball somehow, if she was psychic. Or if it was like a... Not realizing it. Not realizing it. Hmm. But I thought that was a really interesting thing. But Jerry is still alive. She's in her 80s and she is still doing things with companies. Like she's a a smart, smart, savvy businesswoman. All right. And she is a feisty... She is a (laughs) feisty woman. She really is. Uh, She, you know, like the family member would... Like they would ask the family member questions. A family member would talk to Jerry and then get back to them and stuff. So she was kind of involved in it. And uh, so that's basically some of the bigger things that she said in the interview that were, I thought my favorite thing was about the, like nobody knew about the fact that he got called saying that his mom was in a crazy. And then after that, the ball wasn't what it used to be. So they think that something, something was done. Well, clearly to the ball. So again, go listen to those. Otherwise what would be the point of that? Exactly. Exactly. So, (laughs) That's just crappy. Yeah. Uh, She said that the paranormal events in the house, the organ music, the laughter, all that stuff did happen, but it didn't happen when the ball was there because she says the house always had a history of being haunted. Oh. So she said that that stuff actually did happen and they might have said that, but somebody put it together that it happened when the ball was there. They're not actually related. Nope. No. She said that Curlian photography, and you know what that is, like the photography where you can like see objects, auras, supposedly. Yeah, yep. She said those photographs were taken of the ball, and the ball looked like, like it had solar flares coming out of it. She mm. said it was really, really unusual looking. And she said that they left the house eventually because it was too big for them, and they wanted to get back to their quiet life of being anonymous. They mm-hmm. didn't want, they were sick of, you know, they were, things were getting worse and worse with people trying to get their hands on the ball. And they didn't know what to do, and they finally just moved away. So that I explains totally get that. that explains their disappearance. Disappearing, yeah. And she said the family just that's something in their past that they don't talk about because okay. they said they're still kind of pissed about it, about what happened, and they're frustrated, and mm-hmm. it just got too much for them, and they they don't really even talk about it anymore. But well, they opened their house to a lot of people, and they were taken advantage of. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So they said that's why they don't do interviews. They're done with it. But after. This person, the lady from the family they talked to, saw the stuff that was on the internet. She wanted to kind of clear up some of the things. Well, that's really cool because there's yeah. obviously yeah. a lot of misinformation out there. There was, but like I said, I as soon as I heard that they got in touch with a Betts family member, I'm like, oh crap, this is going <laughs> to... Yeah, right. Like none of this happened. But yeah. it's even kind of weirder, the stuff she said about... I think so. You know, than the actual story. And uh, so then they finally asked the big question, where is the sphere today? Jerry wrote back and said, quote... The sphere is no longer in the possession of the Betts family because it has been transferred to a third party for safekeeping. Hmm, okay. So it is still out there. I still want to hold it. I, just, mm-hmm. I really, really want to see this thing. I'm just, I'm just obsessed with this sphere. It's, it's um, disappointing, though, that it's changed. Yeah, exactly. It's not what it was. And it possibly isn't even the actual sphere. Nope, exactly. And that gets to the one of the last weird postscripts about this. <clears throat> 
In the Daily Herald, January 8th, 2019, interview with Paul Hynek, one of J. Allen Hynek's sons about Project Blue Book, which is on TV now. That's like yep. a, uh, people a have TV posted show. about that in The Strangers. I haven't watched it at all. But. I haven't either, but people have posted about it in The Strangers. So the Daily Herald had an article talking with Paul Hynek, one of J. Allen Hynek's sons. The last two sentences of the article say, quote, I found out recently that a big silver sphere we had was from some famous UFO case in Florida. We would just kick it around on the floor because we didn't know what it was. Oh, my God. <laughs> so uh, Jerry and the Betts family member they were talking to were stunned when they saw this interview. And they're like, those bastards, they might have taken the right. original sphere. Hmm. So Heineck might have taken it. and that's Or they said possibly... They made reproductions of it somehow, and that's what the Heineck family had. Could be. Which could be, but once they saw that in the article, they were like, ugh. Bastards. So, yeah, so that's possibly hmm. where it went. You know, I don't know. But, but like, the family swears that the one they got back was the original one. Just it had been altered It in had some been way. cut open somehow or opened somehow to get whatever was inside of it out. Hmm. Maybe they tried cracking it like a coconut. Possibly. <laughs> but then they asked Jerry if she had any last words about the subject, and she responded, quote, I guess the best way to sum up our position is to say that we never tried to say what the ball was or is. We just tried to ask what it is. That's true. Yep. They never tried to yep. give an explanation. Now we are ready to close this chapter of our lives for good. So, yeah. And that's, that's kind of like the the... The sign of somebody who doesn't have ill intentions. They're yeah. not trying to yep. lead you down a no, certain path. No, they said they never, they never accepted money for anything. Right. They were offered 750000 yep. That's a lot of money today. That yeah. was a heck of a yeah. lot of money back yeah. then. Yep. She's worth millions today with her business stuff. Really? Jerry Betts. Yeah. And they never needed the money. No. So. And uh, one thing that was interesting was that one of their family friends that they kind of knew was a screenwriter or was like a, a, a reporter, investigative reporter. And he wrote what they called a... a screenplay of what happened because he made notes of everything that happened i was gonna say how come this was never made into a movie and they sent the astonishing legend guys copies of what he wrote so that's the notes as they happened they said they're on yellowed paper from 1974 because he was writing this stuff as it happened so they have that and that's basically where as she said that they're ready for the close that chapter of their lives they're Mm. done with the ball so that's that. So finally, what do you think? And I'm going to go first because it's pretty obvious what I think that I honestly do think that this sphere was either extraterrestrial or it was something the military made using extraterrestrial technology or mm-hmm. based on extraterrestrial technology. That's the only thing that makes any sense to me. That this was not this was nothing that we could have done. Mhm. I mean, I, I think, I truly think, I know I've been skeptical in a lot of our last podcasts coming up with... We poo-poo everything We poo-pooed now. <laughs> a lot, but this I 100% think is legit. I do too. Extraterrestrial or... I feel like too many people witnessed what it could do. Exactly. Too many scientists and that's the thing, couldn't is that explain it. People, there, there was tons of photography and video taken at It was the, well documented. At the National Enquirer convention where they were, where they had video of the ball rolling up the incline 
But at the end of that, the military seized all oh, photography and video. Come on. And that's why the only the only photograph that exists from the National Enquirer thing is one that shows Terry on stage with the ball next to another scientist. And you can see National Enquirer in the background. Hmm. That's the only photograph that exists anymore from that because all the photography was seized by the military. Hmm. So all of these people witnessed this stuff. Everybody that came to the house that rolled the ball said they left amazed that it did this. So, so many people saw this. And granted, there's no evidence that these people saw this, but uh, the Astonishing but Legends guys... it was covered guys, in so many different yep, stories. The Astonishing and... Legend guys said, right now, everything basically comes down to whether or not you believe this family member who said all this stuff did happen. And I totally do. I totally 100% think she's legit. And I think this ball was something... But I feel like that it was covered on the local news. It was covered in yeah. papers. I mean, yeah. yep. you have to believe that they wouldn't be reporting if they hadn't witnessed it exactly. themselves. So are exactly. all of these people lying? I don't think it does come down to this one family member. Nope. I think there's too much documentation of what happened to discount it. And I don't think it can be explained by nope. anything man-made. So I'm in 100% agreement with you. Yep. I'm, I'm not poo-pooing not this poo-pooing one. On this We're one not poo-pooing this. I think this is a legit... So what did the Astonishing Legends guys think? What was they, their conclusion? They don't know. I mean, they they basically said the same thing we are, that this was, some, this was not of this world. This was yeah. not... You know, they thought originally, Dang. like their guesses were that it was a dummy warhead. Because dummy warheads are... are spheres like metallic spheres they behave that way but that's exactly what one of the hosts kept saying he said but do they roll on their own right they always go back to that and make noises and they said nothing makes sense and the only thing they could come up with is that this was extraterrestrial or it was something the military did based on extraterrestrial technology but then why didn't the military claim it right when the betzes first brought it to the military that's why that doesn't make sense and then finally right and, and like I said, Jerry thinks that J. Allen Hynek is the one that was responsible for doing whatever happened to the ball to deactivate it so that the stuff that was inside the ball was gone. Hmm. You know, so I don't know. But I do think that this was extraterrestrial or based on extraterrestrial technology. I think it's so rare to come across a story like this. Yeah. I yep. feel like there's always an explanation yep. or something is always a hoax or debunked in some way, shape, or form. And it's just so rare to come yep. across this. Exactly. This is a very cool story. So it is. I Like I said, I love this story so much. I've been wanting to do this for so long. And I'm kind of sad now that it's done that <laughs> we did that. So I want to end on a quote from a website. And I forgot to write down what website it oh, was. Dang. But I was reading an article about it. And I really liked this last quote from the article. It says, quote, in the end, there's a good chance we will never know the definitive origin of the mystery sphere, but there is the chance that just as you read these words, the irrefutable proof of the existence of extraterrestrial life might be sitting in a cardboard box collecting dust in someone's dingy basement, just waiting for a curious child to discover its enthralling and potentially dangerous secret. Hmm. It's true. So that's the story of the Bet Sphere. Wow. I love it. Hopefully you guys liked it too. Yeah, I'm blown away. Yeah, I'm really curious to know what our listeners think. It, yeah, was what do you guys new? think of the Bet Sphere? Was it new to you, or did you know about this? And I'm I sure some of these some of them knew about new. it. Some of them knew about it. I think Bridget did. Uh, Dash said that he had never heard of it. But unless they listened, well, Bridget would know if she listened to Astonishing yeah. Legends. She'd know but about the. Updates. I just remember the first time I read about this, I was floored that I had not heard about this before because this is really, this is a really it's valid. A big deal. And it is a big deal. It's a really. <laughs> valid case of something unexplainable and it, it ties in the military scientist jl and heineck i mean there's a lot of stuff going on here in this story 
and it's fascinating. And yeah. I just want to hold this thing so bad, even if it's deactivated. Still, want, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to hold this and be like, cool, this is the Because it could have come from another world. We don't yep. know. Yep. That's so crazy. So let us know what you guys think. Yeah. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Yeah. Do we want to do a listener question? I think we should. Okay. It's tradition. Ready? Mm-hmm. We'll probably do two. Okay. <laughs> We're probably going to do two questions. The first question, sent in by Anonymous, of course, why do kamikaze pilots wear crash helmets? <laughs> <laughs> um, the first answer that comes to mind is so that you don't initially know that they're a kamikaze. How would you? How would you see them? Why would they wear a, a? I don't know. That's a yeah. I'm gonna find the answer. Okay, I suppose maybe something could go wrong before their intended impact, and they'd want to live through it so that they could get back in the plane, another plane, and take out their intended target here is the answer from mental floss magazine which oh. is an awesome magazine okay i've heard, heard of it, it definitely check it out this is sort of a trick question as they technically didn't wear helmets but they wore leather flight caps that covered the head and ears these kept the pilots from getting too cold or going deaf while flying with their cockpit canopies open which they sometimes did to get a better view when taking off landing or looking for landmarks hmm. so they didn't technically wear helmets they wore flight caps okay that is your answer Good question. I wonder if they knew you'd have an answer. Probably not. (laughs) Another question. question. Do you guys go camping? And if so, what strange things have you seen in the woods? I've been camping many, 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 many times. I've never camped. I have never camped in my life. No, I've never been camping and I want to go. I would love to like go to like the middle of the woods in Oregon or Washington and get dropped off in the middle of the woods and camp as I made my way out. But I've just never camped. Well, and you know, if you want an experience like that, and we've never done it, but we've talked about it. We have the Ice Age Trail here in Wisconsin. Yes, that's where it's I walk. It's one of the trails of miles, I walk on. Yep. And you can um, backpack and camp yeah. along the route if you want to. And we've talked about doing that a lot of times. No, I've always stayed at campgrounds. The, I got married at a campground, a state park. You did. I've camped there. You did. Um. I've never experienced anything strange while camping. Have you ever experienced anything strange in the woods? No. Really? Not that I can think of, no. That's odd, right? It is odd. I've had moments where the only thing that I could say I experienced was I've had moments where it's a sunny day, everything is nice, but I just don't feel right. Hmm. Like the woods feel wrong. Sure. Like they feel off. I felt that, yeah. Because you're very, you can be very isolated and vulnerable in the woods. I think I might have talked about this on here, but there was that one day where Aaron, uh. my friend Aaron and I were geocaching and we were in a woods, I want to say down by LTC, down by Cleveland, Wisconsin. Okay. We were in a woods, we walked into the woods to get the geocache and we were walking through the woods and I hated it. I felt off. I felt like something was watching us and I felt like just, I did not want to be there. And I didn't say anything, and we're walking, and then Aaron goes, dude, I don't like this. I don't feel right. So then I told him, too, and we got our geocache, and we got out of there, but both of us just felt wrong, like 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 something was watching us that did not want us there. And it was just so weird, because it was a nice sunny day, and we were there, and we both felt it, and we just wanted to get out of there as quick mm-hmm. as we could. So that's probably my one weird woods experience. I love reading stories about weird things that people come across in, in woods, because I, I love being in woods. The funny thing is, and I've spent a lot of time in the woods. I grew up in the country and spent a lot of times running around in the woods as a kid. I, I love hiking. It's, we've done that so many. My husband and I do that a lot in the summer. We hike through the woods on the trails around here. I love being in the woods. But 
the thing I fear the most in the woods are people. Yeah. I'm not afraid of animals. We don't have a lot around here to be afraid of. We have wolves, but not really in this area. We have like bobcats and things like that, but not, it's very unkind. Coyotes. I guess I'm not worried about that stuff. Bear aren't really around here. You have to go further north. Um, it's people that I'm afraid of. So I, no, I've never had a paranormal experience in the woods and I would never, I'm very hesitant to go walking in the woods by myself, even with my dog, just because there are too many creepy people out there. <laughs> there are. Um, but no, no, I, I can't think of a paranormal experience that I've ever had in the woods, camping or not. No, no Blair Witch experiences for me. Thank goodness. Yeah, that's like a good thing. I would thing. never go camping again. I'm, I'm okay with my little <laughs> moment where we didn't feel right in the woods. <laughs> yeah. But that happens a lot where I'm walking through the woods on my trail and it's a nice day and all of a sudden just out of the blue, I don't like it. I don't mm-hmm. like where I am. I feel like something's watching me. So that happens on occasion. So yeah, yeah thank you guys for the questions. Interesting. I'd like to know if they have ever experienced anything Yeah, have you guys ever camping? experienced anything weird in the woods? I feel if like you, that question came from somewhere. So, yeah, if you asked that question, you had an experience, yeah. I'd love to hear about it. If you did, it. let us know about it. Because right? it is a very vulnerable thing to go camping. You're yep. just in this little tent that yep. you're separated by you and whatever else is out there with a very thin layer of nylon or whatever tents <laughs> are made out yeah, of. That's not going to stop a knife or a chainsaw no. or an axe. right. No. So let us know. If you've had any weird woods experiences, please get back to us and let us know. Yeah. Uh, write to us in the Strangers, our closed Facebook group where all the good stuff happens. What's our email address? I don't know right now. My day, <laughs> my day quill is starting to wear off oh, and on. I'm starting to get all stuffed up and congested. Um, I'll look it up. Please rate us on iTunes if you would care yeah, to. Yeah, please rate us on iTunes. We're trying to figure out, we want to get more listeners now. So we're trying to figure out ways we can do that without being obnoxious about it. Exactly. Because I hate when people go to like a group that has nothing to do with podcasts. They're like, hey, everybody, listen to my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Our our Gmail is thestrangesessions at gmail.com. Yep. So you can drop us an email, write to us in The Strangers. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter, Facebook, obviously. Um, we have do you a want PO to box. PO box? I don't remember it off the top of my head. Wait, I have a picture of it somewhere. <laughs> I'm so prepared. You're so out of it right now. I am. I'm like really... Great. I'm going to worry about you your whole drive home. I I'm kind of worried about my drive home if the I'm pretty sure I have a highway's going to be snowy. Uh, it should be okay now. It could be freezing now, so I don't know. Way to psych yourself out. Paranormal. Oh, come on. Hey, if hmm. I die, at least I got to talk about the bet sphere, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> well, there's that. I got it. Hang on. I found okay. a picture of it. Good. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to write this down so we can have we it like right here. We could have it on the we wall. We could put it on the... That would <laughs> for next time. Well, we Good need thinking. an intern to come we up with these something. ideas. We need something. Our P.O. <laughs> our PO box that you can send us stuff to, and please do. We love postcards. Yep. Is the Strange Sessions P.O. Box 434, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. I believe we have it posted online. Yeah, I think so it's on our Facebook If you want to send us something, please do, because we're lonely and we love getting mail. Mm-hmm. So I think that's it. We talked about the Bet Sphere. And Answered some questions, ate some disgusting fishy oh, seaweed. God, I forgot all about that. With fakin sprinkles on it. Oh, the fakin was the best oh, part. It was. <laughs> so not saying much. Let us know what you guys thought of the Bet Sphere. Like it? Think it's a hoax? What's your explanation? Think it's some dude in his VW bus <laughs> off-roading through the woods? Some stoned hippie. I always think of, this is like totally off topic, but I always think of the show Lost when Hurley got the Dharma oh. Initiative VW bus going mm-hmm. in the woods. That's what I always pictured. I was that guy. 
but it wasn't that. It was no. extraterrestrial. Agreed. So from Krista and I, until next time, stay, stay strange. strange. This has been an Old School Media production, executive produced by Kirk Konechny. For more information and content, please visit strangesessions.com. <laughs>